You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industries. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Today, I am interviewing Ahmed Levy, who is the VP and Head of Growth Marketing at Anodot. Ahmed appreciates psychology as much as he appreciates data. Over the past 15 years, he has led data and product teams for some of the most successful startups in the startup nation. Soon after he joined Anodot as VP of Product, Amit was asked to take over as VP of Marketing, and for the past three years, he leads Anodot's marketing activities in an effort to translate his vast knowledge into data and product to create a unique GTM offering for this unique startup. Amit, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Hey, Paris. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. It's a beautiful day here in Israel. Wonderful. I'm sitting in Sofia, Bulgaria, and I think we're probably having the same weather since we're um, relatively in the same neighborhood here. And uh, the sun is shining. It's a it's a lovely late April day. So, Ahmed, can you just tell our audience a little bit about what Anodot does, who you're serving, and what, what problems you're solving? Sure, with pleasure. So, uh, Anodot is an uh, autonomous business monitoring platform. Uh, well, basically, what we do is we help companies that have vast amounts of data um, get the most out of the data because companies today um, just are gathering tons and tons of data, but for the most part, they only analyze about a percent, one percent of all of the data they collect. So with the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence, we are able to analyze 100% of the data that is being collected to drive business value to our customers. Can you describe some of the, the businesses, the types of businesses or industries that you work with? Yeah, so uh, we see many companies that are using our services mainly from um, e-commerce companies uh, in the e-commerce space, companies in the financial services space, and of course, telecommunication companies. Those, All of those companies are very, very rich in terms of data collection uh, and really help them to identify important patterns in real time so they can be proactive in how they monitor their business. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Let's take a step back because I, 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 I have seen that you have a really rich uh, career journey that has led you eventually here to Anodot. Can you describe just generally how you got into this space and discuss a little bit your career journey so far? Sure. So... Um... I've been blessed to to born here in Israel, where it is a startup nation, and uh, there's just so many different startups and opportunities in technology that has been um, you know, created here in Israel over the past 20 years. That for a person like me, it's like it's uh, it's there's endless opportunities, um, and for a kid going up in Israel, um, it is just a big privilege. So when I just graduated out of school, I studied psychology. 
I, I was lucky enough to get uh, into a position in, in a very small startup. We were just 15 employees. And um, very soon after, three years, three years after that, we, I've, been, I've been one of the first employees in a 500 employees startup because it grew very, very fast. And that led me to learn so many new stuff and to understand how data can be leveraged uh, for business success and how business is being built uh, and how to build a successful company. And over that uh, you know, first uh, five or six years of my career, I've, uh, I've just got the opportunity to learn how data is used every day to build a data warehouse, uh, to build dashboards, um, to use data to identify fraud, to use data to drive uh, business um, dashboards, executive knowledge, uh, and that really led me to love data and to love how data can be leveraged for really for effective communication between people. Because in terms of exchanging opinion, you can exchange data, uh, or alongside exchanging opinions, you can exchange data, and this makes every discussion much more um, interesting. Uh, and this is basically that's the start of my career, and on top of that, uh, or next phases of my career. I really like data, as, 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 as you understand. Uh, I've built some data products. So basically, products that are meant leveraging data for other companies' benefits, just as we do here at Anoda. Uh, and that led me to running some product, uh, doing some product roles um, around data. Um, and, and in these days, since everybody is trying to leverage data for business success, um, the knowledge that I've gained over the past 15 years is very valuable. And uh, with Anodot, as we try to educate the market to better understand how to leverage data, my knowledge is also effective for effective marketing eventually, since I have a very strong understanding of this, of this specific space. Fascinating stuff. How long have you been doing machine learning? So machine learning is rather new. Um, I think I've been working on a product that is machine learning just for the last um, almost four years as I'm here at Anodot. Prior to that, I mainly worked on data, uh, but the connection between data and machine learning is, uh, is just like um, data is air for machine learning, right? Without machine learning, without data, there is no machine learning. So the connection is very, very obvious. Um, of course, in how it's being leveraged and what is the best ways and what are the best use cases to leverage le uh, data, um, I've learned a lot over the past four years. But just to understand that out of that, putting machines on top of data can help you get much more out of the data is very straightforward. Uh, it only makes sense. Mm -hmm. What what advice would you give to a SaaS marketer who? is relatively new to the to the whole concept of machine learning and who has a hunch that they need to be using machine learning to get more out of their data, but they don't really know where to start. And maybe they don't even grasp the concept well enough. What advice would you give to, to a, a SaaS marketer who is at the beginning of a journey of trying to get into machine learning? It's uh, a great question. Um, I think most... Uh, as it was when, when data warehouses just started, most projects failed. It was known that if you start a project, you're most likely to not take it to production. It will fail 
sometime during the process. And I think this is also the case now with machine learning projects. Most machine learning projects, uh, you know, there's a nice concept. I'm saying um, I'll use all of my data to be wise about something. But for the most part, um, it fails. Um, because the machinery and technology and knowledge are still rather initial. And it is risky. It is not... Uh, it is not proven that every problem can be solved with machine learning. So I think I would start first with being skeptical and hesitant, try to really understand um, what, is the, what is the problem I'm, I want to solve and why do I choose to use machine learning instead of using people? Can it be solved without machine learning? What will be the added value if I indeed able to solve it with machine learning? And what is the investment that is uh, required of me? And also, how do I mitigate the risk in case this won't be successful? How do I mitigate the risk to begin with? And there are numerous ways to mitigate the risks. Um, two, two ways that I've learned that are very successful is one, communication, very, very clear communication. There is no magic, right? You need to communicate the fact that there is no magic and that things may succeed or may fail and and this is basically an experiment, and we're trying to make make it better. Just like when I run an A-B test, for the most part, A-B tests fail. It's a waste of effort, but I gain knowledge, and if some of them also succeed. Uh, so this is exactly how it is. You, you, you don't want to communicate success to begin with. You want to communicate um, the desire to grow, and and then walk work toward that. Uh, so this is one, communicate that there is no magic. And the other thing that is very good in terms of mitigating risk um, is using proven tools, using proven methods. Uh, so I wouldn't be too experimental and just find a data scientist and try to work with him and explain what I want to do and hope that he'll under- he or she understand what I want and it will happen. I would try to s- uh, search for tools uh, for solutions out there that are proven, that have solved my problem in the past, because um, that uh, necessarily will increase success. Great. Um, you mentioned something that I've, I found very interesting. You said when you're assessing whether or not to consider machine learning versus an alternative, you said people. Maybe I should use machine learning, or maybe I should use people. But what what exactly did you mean by that? Interesting. Um, so, in my first position ever in life, I was in charge of fraud. I was I was looking at patterns of behavior, and I was asked to understand whether or not those patterns are fraudulent. And the way I did it is manually. I went over logs, I read the logs, and tried to identify um, fraudulent patterns. And for a person, that's really cumbersome. That's like I was sitting all day long going through logs, trying to identify bad patterns. It isn't the most fun work. And it doesn't seem like the, the, the funnest job ever, no. Exactly. Being the lazy man that I am, I, I wanted to see if there's something that can help me with that. And I asked one of our developers, since I understand exactly what I'm searching for, if he can write some code that you know, will do what I do and just save me some time. 
And uh, he and the company was kind enough to, to enable that because there are some activities that machines are better than people in doing. If you want to scan through logs and identify log patterns, for a person, it's not a good job. I, first, I don't enjoy it. But also, I'm not very good at it. I can get distracted. I can, uh, I, I'm, I'm, context is, is, uh, is uh, not clear for me. And yeah, there just some, the, there's a the human error factor. I mean, at some know, point, you exactly. could burn out and make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. So there are some activities like those that people aren't very good at. Uh, there are other activities like what we're doing now, communication, or like being creative, where people are, are really, really good at and also really enjoy, which is amazing. Uh, so I try to understand what kind of activity is it and and what are you seeing for, for you know, even basically machine learning is replacing people for the boring stuff and it enables people to do the, the interesting stuff. Uh, and that's great. Uh, yeah. so this is- you know what? I couldn't agree with you more on that. I've said this. I've said this a bunch. I think there is a general sense of fear within marketing that. AI and machine learning will replace them and and will render their jobs obsolete. But I, th- I think it's exactly the opposite. I think that their jobs become much more strategic, much more creative, and much more interesting because they're freed, they're freed by what machine learning and AI can do. And they don't have the mundane, laborious stuff as much anymore. And um, they, can, they can really move to a higher level of value to their organization. Yes, I could not agree more. I actually have an example from, I think, three weeks ago. Uh, one of our uh, team members find a, found a um, software that uses machine learning in order to find the best times a day to send an email, a marketing email. So it's not a mass email that goes out at 2 p.m. Paris will get it at an hour that is good to Paris, and Amit will get it at an hour that is good for Amit, and and I you know for, same for the rest. And this is AI that is being there, machine learning that is there to help the engagement manager be more effective. Eventually, email open rate really went up, and the engagement manager is now doesn't have to worry about what is the best time to deliver the email. And the engagement manager can now invest more in being creative and creating the best email and analyzing the results of its use. And that's great. This is. That's the best combination, right? When you have machine learning working side by side with people in order to eventually create better outcomes. Mm -hmm. I've got a question for you. Maybe it's a bit um, related to something that I'm right now struggling with, but we are, our agency, Hop Online, is, is looking to bring on a data scientist, someone who can do machine learning using our client's data. And we have we have the very humble realization that nobody really understands this well enough, and we're worried that we can't really manage the person well. Um, and even in the interview process, I didn't even know what to ask. <laughs> so, let's say that you're a SaaS marketer and somebody out there listening, and so you're VP of growth at, at a SaaS company, and um, the company decides it's time for us to bring in machine learning. And it's your, your job to interview and hire a machine learning expert. What are the top, say, one or two questions that you would ask someone in an interview for a machine learning role? It's interesting. First of all, I haven't um, 
interviewed or onboarded, or, or onboarded the machine learning engineer to Anadot. This is done by our data science team and our chief data scientist. Um, so I haven't had the pleasure. Uh, I have interviewed and onboarded plenty of data people throughout my life and my career. Um, I think first it's, it is, I would first start and ask myself, what is the use case that I want to, to solve? What is the problem? Uh, just understanding that there's data and let's get more out of the data isn't enough. It will usually take me... Too no, vague. Yeah, it's too vague. If, uh, for example, I want to optimize my spend, that's a specific problem. If I want to get alerted early when my campaign's uh, performance drop, that's a specific problem. If I want to be alerted early when my competition uh, takes over my keywords, that's a specific problem. So I would start by defining the problems. And then I would see if I can find a person that handled or wrote or explored some of those, those problems uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Great, great. So let's talk a little bit about these use cases wonder, and the problems. Sorry, Paris, I know if it's by the rules. If I can ask a question, I, I, I wonder. Oh, yeah, there, there are no rules. So please oh. ask away. So what is the use case? Why do you consider uh, onboarding a person for, uh, for your agency? The reason is, and the goal that we have is to help our clients do a better job of optimizing their ad spend and eliminating wasted ad spend. So in a lot of cases, our clients have uh, a lot of, there's just tons of data floating around. There's CRM, their marketing automation platform. There's product usage data from the products themselves also that exists and they can be harnessed. And we have a theory that I, it's a pretty strong theory that if we could understand uh, using data and machine learning, if we could understand uh, and predict someone who will not only make the first purchase after a trial period, but who will remain loyal and result in the highest lifetime value customer, then we should be bidding more for those people in the, in the auctions. We should actually be training Google ads, Facebook ads to go after those people more aggressively with higher bids because they have higher lifetime values. And right now, most SaaS marketing with freemium or free trial acquisition is mostly just trying to optimize for free trial acquisition. And they're treating all free trials with relatively the same values. To me, that's a big problem because um, people behave very differently. I mean, you have churn rates and even post-churn, you've got, a lot, you've got retention curves and very different lifetime values for different cohorts and segments of users. What we're trying to do is help clients understand and move to a world where they can be doing so-called value-based bidding. They can actually be bidding on an individual prospect based on their predicted lifetime value, almost as if it's an e-commerce environment. Beautiful. Yeah. The, first of all... Could, could Anodot help us solve that, by the way? Um, the short answer is no, uh, but there's a, there is a long answer. But what is unique, I think what is interesting is Clearly, this problem isn't unique, right? It is, it is the same problem for every gaming company out there, right? They want to onboard users and they want to know ahead of time how much can they invest in, in, in acquiring those users. And also, you know, for the Lyfts and Ubers of the world, right? They, they invest significant amounts in acquisition. So if you think about the fact that this problem isn't unique, uh, chances are 
for B2C, uh, in the B2C space, there are companies that can help with that. Um, I know they can help with parts of it. I know other companies can, that can help with other parts of it. Uh, I think this is less than the B2B space, right? This is more for B2C marketing. Um, but instead of, or before hiring a data scientist, I will try and search for uh, those solutions and people that, uh, that have uh, experience in working with relevant solutions in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting contrast between B2C and, and B2B. I do think machine learning today is more applicable to B2C companies. Um, just just due to the larger larger data sets, but I think it's moving into B two B, and it will eventually move into B two B as well. Very very and, interesting. Yeah, with our customers, we also analyze how many of them are B two Bs and how many are been, of them are B two Cs. The use cases are completely different. Uh, for example, large B two B companies, they're large and they want to monitor their businesses. So companies uh, that have lots of customers hundreds of thousands or even tens of thousands of customers. For example, Redis Labs is one of our customers and they manage how their customers and they have tens of thousands of customers are using their products, Redis Labs products. And when there's a change in the customer's behavior pattern, they want to know about it ahead of time. And actually they're saying that using Anodot, they're able to fix issues before their customers even noticed it. So that's amazing. If you're large enough B2B, then you can leverage machine learning. And as you said, Paris, for the most part, B2Cs are, of course, large enough, and they can leverage machine learning um, um, with plenty of success. Mm -hmm. So I think it's machine learning is, is the here and now for B2C marketing. It is the future for B2B marketing. At what point do you think machine learning in B2B marketing moves from becoming a killer competitive advantage, which I think is where it is today for B2B, at what point does that become a table stakes where if you don't really use machine learning, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage? Very, very how, how, far out, how far out is that? Very early. I imagine this is, you know, no more than five years from now. This is now. This is, this is happening now. It's like, uh, you know, people were talking about LinkedIn ads as if this is a new era it was only i think like five years ago that that was new people were talking about instagram and this this is something to and today it's it's obsolete right it's obvious that you do instagram you do facebook you do linkedin you do all of those uh i think technology uh, adoption is also um getting faster all the time uh and i think it's exactly the same uh, for your question, right? For machine learning, machine learning will become, um, you know, a pillar, a clear pillar now in in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine that if you don't have an answer, even as a B two B SaaS marketer, if you don't have an answer for machine learning within the next couple of years, you're most likely already far behind your competition because they they do. And, and, and you can dive in even if you don't fully understand it as long as you know the benefits. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's enough. That yes. And also the very important thing is speed of data. In the past, people were looking at dashboards quarterly, 
or monthly, right? Now it is still customary to look at data on a daily basis. How yeah, was my performance real time? Right. Mm-hmm. You need to be ready for real time because once you have machine learning, you can optimize, you can take action in real time. Many of our customers are monitoring their campaigns in real time and changing things at an hourly rate. And this is already a huge advantage uh, going against competition. Yeah. Hey, I'm curious, what is your favorite uh, reporting tool, third-party, off-the-shelf reporting tool, if you use any of them? We use it. I love dashboards. They're still important. Um, this is personal preference, so I can't really even explain why, but I really like uh, Google Data Studio. Uh, is it used? It's, it's free to start with. Um, but I don't know. It's not a... There, there's endless variety. I haven't tested them all. I, I guess I only worked with a hand, handful, maybe 10 or 12 different. But Google Data Studio is very... I like the Google suit in general. So Google uh, you know, Spreadsheet and Google uh, Slides and Google everything also Google Data Studio. Same, same here. Yeah, we're all in on, on the G Suite. Now they call it Google uh, Marketplace or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they, um, I didn't know they rebranded it. Yeah. Have you ever dabbled with this TensorFlow, the, the open source machine learning uh, platform that Google released? Yeah, not personally. Uh, I, I do know about it. Um, so no. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's uh, pivot over now to the marketing of Anodot itself. Uh, it looks like you all have some big name clients. Um, can you just walk us through how you generate these high quality leads and through which, what, what kind of strategies and, and channels? Yeah. So first of all, I think, uh, uh, I'll say that I, I think being a marketeer for a company like Anodot, uh, is a bit of a unique challenge in the fact that, as you said, we're early to the market. Anodot is a six years old startup. So all of our, our ideas and technology, uh, have, um, have initially started six years ago. Uh, and as, 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 as we just said, the market is just getting here now. Um, so much of what we, do, what we do is actually education. We talk with people to explain to them how can they leverage and why should they leverage machine learning, whether should they leverage machine learning for their problems. Um, so this is first and foremost in how we do marketing is by understanding that we are fighting, I don't know, I, maybe fighting is the right, isn't the right word, but we are educating a market that is uneducated. Uh, product managers that don't know that they can use machine learning in, o- in order to improve their customer experience. People that think that uh, machine learning is just uh, you know, Google Photos or automatic transcripts or NLP. Um, and we have our approach uh, and uh, much of what we do is education. Our most effective marketing activities are education activities, and we treat them as education. We don't treat them as sale uh, because people really need to be educated before they can buy something. If you're not educated, you will not invest. Um, I've been scanning through the resources section of your website, and you all are putting out tons of educational content, blog, blog posts. I see that there's other documents, videos and podcasts, webinars, case studies. 
an entire learning center. What t- talk to me about the effort that goes into that? I mean, what kind of uh, what kind of a team do you have to keep up with this uh, massive amount of content? Yeah, we invest a fortune in content generation. We invest more in content generation than in acquisition. Uh, this is how important it is for us. Uh, and as you said, it uh, those are we have white papers, not a two pages. We have a sixty-page white paper. There is really things that are really. Really, really. Maybe it's time to call that an ebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We should, I've been told that we should brand it as an ebook. Uh, but well, it's not about branding. It is really about putting, and we're really excited about the knowledge and we're really excited about the potential of machine learning. So we'll just put it out there. And the way we've shaped the team is that we have four main pillars for the team. Uh, first of all, we have content and communication. This is everything that is about content generation. And this is a team that has. Um, writing capabilities, design capabilities, um, you know, video capabilities, everything that is needed to generate high quality, high volume content. And also this is a team that is very well connected to, to the company for the relevant subject, subject matter expert. So they can work with our chief data scientists. They can work with our head of engineering to generate interesting content. Of course, product as well. Uh, the other pillar of the team is demand generation. This is everything that is SEO. Um, we're really big on engagement. So once we acquire a lead, we invest a lot in engaging that lead and we don't immediately try to sell that, that, that lead. Again, based on what I told you earlier, we want people to be engaged and educated. Um, this is a critical point. Before they're educated and engaged, they will not do any, any buying activity. So uh, content communications, demand generation, and then we have sales development, which is in touch with demand generation, of course, uh, for people that move down our funnel. And data. Data is a pillar in the team. Everything in our marketing team is driven by data. Every decision is driven by data. We run lots of A-B tests. We have a very detailed experiments framework, which is which spans from our content to our demand generation, to our engagement, and even within sales development, we run experiments all the time to see if we can uh, adopt new new techniques and improve in what we do. How big of a team is that across? So we've got uh, content and communications, demand gen. You've got the, the sales the, the, the sales team. Yes. And then the data. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, the team isn't very big because uh, I really believe this is, again, as a, as, a, as a professional, always in my life, I really believe in uh, outsource. Uh, and I have vendors that I've been working with uh, throughout three and four companies. So a person that I'm working with and I, I've moved to another company and I continue to work with the same person uh, for three or four companies. And um, this enables us as a company working with outsource to expand and shrink as needed. So the in-house team, I think is, um, I think we're 11 people now, but then as an outsource, we have an army that supports us over 40 people that support what we do as an outsource and they can be, um, leveraged, uh, increased and decreased as, as needed, basically on demand. Um, and this is great. It, it enables us the flexibility that a startup needs. Yeah. Can you uh, 
uh, I have a, a question about a challenge that we see a lot of times with a, a technical company that's doing a lot of content marketing. How do you ensure that the people writing the content can communicate the subject matter expertise that's needed to properly engage the audience? You said that they're interfacing, your writers are interfacing with the subject matter experts. How does that actually work? Uh, do they interview them or are those subject matter experts actually writing some of the content themselves? Yeah. Or First of all, it's, way? it's painful. It's really, really, really painful for everybody because the subject matter experts really want to help, but they also have you know, their, their day job and the writers really want to write, but they're not always knowledgeable. Um, so first of all, it's a problem. Uh, you're right. Um, we first, we, we select writers who are technical in, for the most part. Also, we have a head of marketing, which is very technical for a marketer. That really helps. Uh, and we, um, um, and that's, that's important. And also the subject matter expert are, uh, are valuing the marketing process and they know that they really want to contribute and help. And there are different ways of, of doing this. In some cases, the subject matter experts want to write about something that they know is a trend or that they did and they want to share. So they initiate the process and they write a short description. It can be, you know, a paragraph or two paragraphs. And then a content uh, writer will take it and um, expand it. Uh, in some cases, we want to drive content that is, uh, that is uh, strategically relevant for us in many cases for SEO. So uh, it starts with a content initiative and then the subject matter expert uh, reviews it. Um, and if needed, also also takes uh, an interview. Uh, for the most parts, Google uh, collaboration tools are good enough for this work. But in some cases, there's also a reason for a 30, 30 minute uh, phone call. Zoom mm -hmm. session. You just opened the door for me for SEO there by mentioning SEO. I want to go, go into SEO now. Um, you all rank number one for a keyword that I want to get your feedback on because I think it pinpoints the problem, the problem awareness. That keyword is an anomaly detection. You rank number one, not with your homepage actually, but with a content page, which is the, what is anomaly detection. And I can see that there is, um, it's, it's a competitive keyword with a lot of volume and you guys get a lot of traffic. And I guess that is helping fill the top of your funnel quite nicely. So you mentioned part of the content is driven by the subject matter experts who want to share their work. And that's, that's amazing. That's not always going to align with keyword opportunities for SEO. The other side of it is the marketing people do their keyword research and they say, ah, oh, anomaly detection for... Shopify, uh, we've got 2,000 searches. This is high quality intent. We need a piece of content. And then they, they go to the subject matter experts and try to make it happen. Um, no, wait, what was my question? <laughs> How do you approach the SEO part? <laughs> do you have a process for identifying those opportunities uh, beyond just simply the keyword research? And yeah. then how do you execute from there? So first of all, as, as you said, we're big on SEO. Uh, it's crucial for every every education uh, strategy. We want to find people when they when they want to get educated, when they want to know what is anomaly detection, uh, for example, or when they want to see how do I monitor login, which is a huge problem for 
P2Cs and also for B2Bs. And we also, this is something that we monitor, that we rank first for, as for many other terms. Um, so the best cases is where SEO uh, connects very well to subject matter expert uh, will or needs. And for anomaly, with anomaly detection, this is exactly the case. Our subject matter experts really want to talk and write about anomaly detection. Uh, and this is also crucial for our SEO strategy. Um, so this is, this is all fine. Uh, but there are cases, like you said, where there is an SEO need and, and the, the subject matter expert doesn't think this is the right fit. And we never force the issue. So okay. S, SEO will shed lights on potential, but subject matter expert will adapt it. And only if the subject matter expert adapt it, will do it. If the subject matter expert said, no, it's not right for Shopify, don't do it because we're not good for Shopify, uh, we will not do it. We will never force the issue. And uh, I think with content, one of the most important things is that it, it will be um, real. It won't, it won't be forced because uh, mm-hmm. LinkedIn feels it. Google feels it. Uh, when things are genuine, they succeed more. Um, so we, we always try to be genuine. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. SEO sheds light on the opportunity, but the subject matter experts are going to verify that. And they have, they have the last say as to what gets published. I think too many marketers that are so driven by SEO are just chasing keywords that are outside of the realm of their expertise. And then they try to, as you say, force, force it. Um, and write something that's good enough and hope they can get it to rank, maybe build some links. Um, I do have to believe that Google's own algorithms, which by the way, as you probably know, are now entirely machine learning driven, (laughs) um, that they can do uh, a phenomenal job of really separating the the best content, regardless of keywords, keyword placement, regardless of links or or anything else. Yeah, they Um, clearly do. It's not that, they clearly do. Like you see that in the results. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's now about intent and, and a lot of the ways that we look at SEO opportunities are we start with the search result page itself and we try to infer uh, or we try to we try to understand how does Google see the intent of this query? Because it might not be obvious. And the content that they rank in the top, say, three positions is a pretty good indication of Google's best guess as what will satisfy that user's question. And Oftentimes, it's not about getting the keywords in the right places. It's understanding how Google interprets the intent and trying to provide a better answer, a holistic answer than the whatever's ranking now, number one, number two. Um, and that, you know, that kind of moves past the obsession around just keywords on, and links, too. Strongly agree. Um, like yeah. You really need to understand the buyer. You really need to understand the buyer's needs. Uh, and expectations, and align yourself, you know, if possible, with those. Uh, if you try to force the issue, it just it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, you're probably just spinning your wheels. Uh, I've got to ask now about anomaly detection because the Anodot looks like this amazingly powerful uh, engine that can do so many things. And maybe I guess you have even a problem sometimes 
because your your platform can do so many things and help in so many ways. Where do you how do you communicate and where do you pinpoint a pain point? You've you've chosen this keyword anomaly and anomaly detection. Why did you decide on that as the primary pain point that you want to spotlight? And then hopefully that's a door opener to everything else that that your platform can offer. But why anomaly detection? Um, So first of all, we haven't decided. Like strategically, actually, we have a different decision. Uh, The thing is, anomaly detection is our technology and it always surfaces. Uh, We always, uh, we always, we are associated with it. Uh, This is how how the market understands us. Um, but this is not how I explain Anodot. When I explain Anodot, I will tell you that we're a business monitoring platform. And what we do is that we help you um, protect your revenues and improve your customer experience because this is what we do. How we do it? We do it with anomaly detection. Um, and um, so, so when we choose our strategy, we lean more and more towards business to explain a business problem. Uh, but when we explain our technology and we're a technology-driven company, uh, then we're associated very early, very early on with anomaly detection, which is the uh, one of our key technology elements. Mm-hmm. And the definition of an anomaly for those who, who may not be clear, including myself, it would be good to get this out there. Is that really a point at which a, 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 a data point or a KPI moves outside of its normal range of expected exactly. behavior or performance? Okay. So you, you run campaigns all the time, right? And you manage CPC and or CPI or CPM or however you choose to manage the campaign, right? And let's say the CPC uh, spikes or drops. Do you want to know about it? If for a specific campaign, let's talk about auction insights now. If for a specific campaign... Uh, um, you you lose some of the some traction. Your auction insights uh, you're losing to a competitor. You want to know about it in real time. So, so you're losing an uh, impression share. I exactly, that's the metric, right? Exactly. So exactly like you said, we learn. Anodot will learn the normal behavior of your impression share, and for that specific keyword, and when it will change, according to you know the direction that you define, spikes or drops, will alert you. And the learning is autonomous, autonomous, and the alert is autonomous. So eventually, it gives you assurance that somebody is checking that everything is okay for you. And when there is an anomaly, you will be alerted. Mm-hmm. And what happens after the alert? Can you also tell them why? Yeah, so we actually we are just rolling out now, and you um, and you module in our product, which is a triage model. So the module is built of a four-phase approach. What happened? Where did it happen? Why did it happen? And what to do next? So what happened? A drop in impression, say, for example. Where did it happen? In a keyword, in your brand keyword, for example. Why did it happen? Because your competitor spiked, right? What to do next? Go to your Google console and you know, work it out. Take an action. Increase your bid. Do whatever you want. 
So I'll flow now. Write an email to, to Google's uh, policy team. <laughs> 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 try to get try to get that ad taken down. Exactly. Well, hope that's what I would probably do. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So this is the tires. The tires enables you that whole flow from detection to action. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Amit, this has been great. Uh, probably we will need to start to wrap up now, but is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wished I would have asked you or that you want our audience to know? Um, I think there is something that is important very much for marketing. And I think uh, I have a feeling that you'll agree. And this is about focus. And this is how to create focus. And we have as a startup, growing startup, so many different initiatives. And as a technology company, we have so many different markets to go at. And over the past few years, we've becoming more and more narrow going to specific markets, understanding, defining specific problems. And the the more we are more focused on what we are doing, the better the team is on execution. And when you're not focused, you're not good in execution. And I think this is something that I've learned over the past six years very strongly. Um, And I think this is something that is important for every marketer to, every person actually, every company to adopt. You need to be focused, understand where is where are your strengths, and invest your efforts over there. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. I absolutely love that. Couldn't agree more. Well, Amit, this has been really great. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, so we're all invited here to Israel, <laughs> but if not, if you're not coming to Israel, I'm available. Uh, I most- might show up. I'm just warning you. Uh, please uh, do. I love it over there. Um, so, so LinkedIn, uh, and of course uh, via email uh, to in, in Anadot, and that's that's the main places. I don't do Twitter that much. I, I'm sorry. It's hard. It's hard to keep up with Twitter. But um, for for those of you who want to find Amit on LinkedIn, that would be my suggestion. It's a nice, easy, easy name. Amit A M I T Levi L E V I. Correct and. Um, Thank you. Exactly that. Find him there on LinkedIn and and take a look at Anodot. It looks uh, looks amazing. Congratulations on the, on the success so far, Amit. I wish you all the best in the journey ahead with with Anodot and thank with, you much, and with your machine learning career. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me. And I, I hope we'll meet again soon. Hope so. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.